You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. If you're a resident of Washington, you understand homelessness, it's gone up in our state. Hasn't gone down, it's gone up. How much has it gone up? Just about as much as anywhere else in the United States. Washington state homelessness increased 6.2% between 2019 and 2020. Some of that obviously has got to do with the pandemic. But we're also in a situation where when you provide a good environment for this kind of thing, guess what? People are going to come here and people are coming in droves. And I, I kind of think that these numbers are way, way higher because the way that they do the homeless census, it's tricky. Those people are mobile. They come and they go. Hard to keep a real track on them. I know census count, they do the best they can, but Honestly, these folks, they they come and go quickly a lot of times. So that's what we're talking about. And then we're also talking about a Washington State Supreme Court is reviewing a situation where they're going to make it illegal for somebody living out of a vehicle to tow that person's car because that's basically their domicile. That's what we're doing here in the state of Washington. So these are difficult, difficult scenarios. And I don't have the answers, but I read them here on the news and we talk about them, right? All right. So before we jump on in, if you're new here, my name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies and I talk about stuff that we want to talk about. A lot of times it has to do with housing. It has to do with pro-business. This one specifically, we're back to homelessness because it is a real issue for a lot of the businesses and the areas where the homeless are posted up. And it's not getting better. It's getting worse. So let's take a look. Washington State experienced one of the largest estimated increases in, in homelessness between 2019 and 2020 relative to other states in the United States, according to a recently released data from an annual report to Congress. Washington State reported an increase in homelessness at 6.2% between 2019 and 2020, the third largest increase among all states, the Seattle Times reported Saturday. Is that shocking? No, I'm only shocked that, well, I mean, you've probably got, well, you've got San Francisco and you've probably got LA leading the pack. <laughs> I mean, in a, in a race that you don't want to win. I mean, it's something along those lines, right? I mean, you could probably, maybe there's a wild card in there. Maybe you've got Chicago. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it's not surprising to me at all. I've seen the numbers. and I've seen just basically the scenario of what goes on in Seattle in an area that we've basically said, yeah, it's okay to be homeless. It's okay to pitch a tent on the sidewalk. It's okay to sleep in the parks. It's okay to take over industrial areas and just live there. We've basically made that known that, hey, if you want to come to Seattle, you can do your own thing. We've got good services here. We'll take care of you. You do your own thing, whatever that may be. And guess what? At the end of the day, You've, we've got a spot here for you. So I think you've got a couple of different factors going on. Seattle and uh, Washington State had, you know, some cities within Washington State have made it very convenient to be homeless, which, you know, is kind of a, an anti-statement, right? It's never convenient to be homeless. But so many of these folks, they do not want to get help. They don't want to either get the mental health care that they need or the addiction, they don't want to address an addiction issue. And that's usually the majority of homeless uh, issues. Not all of them. Obviously, there are some where people just lose their job, lose their home, don't have a support system, don't have family, don't have friends. 
you go down that list and that it, this is a horrible thing. But the vast majority that we're talking about, when given the opportunity to move into some kind of housing solution, a lot of them are like, yeah, I just want to kind of keep doing my thing on the streets because you don't have rules there. You don't have accountability. You don't have to live within the guidelines. You just do your own thing. And that's what people are doing in Seattle. And that's what we're having to deal with. So it doesn't surprise me we've got as many homeless people coming in. And then you've got the affordability issue in Washington State, specifically in Seattle. A lot of what used to be kind of entry-level rental properties have been torn down and they're putting up homes, new construction homes that are, you know, in the millions. And so you are losing affordable housing stock on the rental end of things. I mean, it, it's just been phenomenal. But that's the market. I mean, and then you try and have developers come in and on the back end, you know, backfill that with a bunch of rental units. The problem is, is that you can't build these units as fast as people are becoming homeless. So what do you do? Well, you talk about it and try and come up with some game plans and you watch your government officials just basically do nothing. That's kind of what we've seen. We've seen some attempts at um, trying to do, you know, some things, uh, give the marketplace a few hundred rental, you know, uh, homeless uh, units, some of these tiny little home home structures. Okay, we're doing some of that. But We've got what, 10 or 10, maybe 15,000 homeless people. And we've got what, I think 2,800 people living in cars. You're talking about people either homeless or living out of their vehicles that are within the state of Washington that are the same size as a lot of cities, a lot of small towns across the US. Maybe you live in one of those towns. Maybe you live in one of those towns that's 5,000 people. Well, guess what? We've got at least double that of just homeless people living on our sidewalks, just living in these tent communities. That's a lot of people. It's a big burden on the resources and people shouldn't have to live on the sidewalk. Shouldn't have to do that. That's, that's my take. Um, but we here in Seattle, we just kind of let things rip and uh, yeah, I know it's not an ideal scenario, but you know, that's kind of where they want to live. So we just kind of let them do that impacting everything else. People don't want to go to those areas. Employers don't want to employ people in those areas. You can't do business. You can't get a lot of the normal stuff done. People don't want to take their kids to the parks because you can't. You've got drug use. You've got violence. You've got all the stuff that goes along with that. And if you look at a perfect example of that is the crime record 911 call list of Denny Park here in Seattle over like a 60 day period. It was incredible how many calls came out of that uh, park. And this is a this is a downtown urban park that had 60, 70, 80 tents at one time before it got cleared out. And the way they were able to clear that out, safety issue. So that's, um, and what they do is the police put a notice out and then three days later, they come through and sweep the camp. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Well, you can't have people taking over city parks and living there. That's a no go in my book. You've got to have another space set up for that. And that's what the homeless shelters are for, for transitional housing, for people to get up and get going. And there's a lot of other housing out there too. And I know it's difficult for people to get into that housing. 
but you can't have them living in the city parks. That's the bottom line, right? Other cities don't allow that city of Seattle does. And guess what? They've got a major issue with being overrun with homelessness. Washington State also reported a 20% increase in family homelessness between 2019 and 2020. One of the largest nationwide that is horrible. Just families, you know, we've got this kind of K shaped recovery, the wealthy are doing really well during this recovery. And for a lot of people, it's not a recovery. It's just an endless downward spiral. And that's what we're talking about here is that that lower portion of the K-shaped recovery. You got families in there. Mom and dad lost their jobs, whatever the scenario is, whatever led to it. Again, maybe you've got a, an addiction issue. Maybe you've got a, whole, a mental health care issue. Whatever it caused it, it's just getting worse. And to see families living on the streets in a tent, uh, that is just, it's mind-blowing. It's really hard to watch. And if you if you watch a lot of these folks, a lot of them, they don't necessarily look like they're homeless. So it's hard to say what's going on. Some of them clearly do. Some of them obviously have, you know, they've got mental issues. And so it's just this hodgepodge of, of need, really. And um, what do they need? A lot of people would say, hey, they need to go into rehab. Yep, they probably do. Hey, those folks, they need some real mental health care. Yeah, they probably do. They probably need to be medicated along some some level so they're not um, either a safety hazard to themselves or to others in their community. So people are seeing a lot more families in encampments and in cars, said Derek Belgard. He's the deputy director of Chief Seattle uh, Club. And there's a lack of resources for that. And that's what we keep constantly hearing is we don't have enough resources. And yet millions and millions of dollars are being pumped into the homelessness issue. We just always seem to be going backwards. Much of the data was compiled before the start of the coronavirus pandemic, the newspaper reported. And so to me, these numbers are probably they are off the charts now because you've created a situation where a lot of people lost their jobs, maybe they couldn't get unemployment, whatever the case may be. People are they're living outside. It It's horrible. Seattle and King County ranked third in the country among urban areas, and the number of total people experiencing homelessness, according to the report third in the country, that is not a uh, race that you want to be trying to win because it's not a good look. Um, Portland, maybe another one that's, you know, right in there. Portland's had uh, the same amount of homelessness issues, kind of, uh, I don't know if it's the same, but it it feels like the same level of homelessness issues uh, that we keep hearing about on the media. And if you've gone to downtown Portland lately, you will agree with me that it is not a good look. It's difficult. And how many, how many podcasts have I done talking about small business saying, hey, it's no longer safe here for me to run my business. I need to shut down. I need to move to the burbs. That's that's what we got going on. A lot of people don't want to cover that, but I'll cover it because it's a reality. Is it kind of a harsh reality to talk about? People living on the streets? Absolutely. It's no fun. It's no fun to go see them either. These are people that are suffering. They're hurting. And I want to see them getting taken care of. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with our political leadership. We love them so much that we want to just let them do their own thing. And that means letting them shoot up and kill themselves on the street. Cause that seems to be, that seems to be the end result in a lot of these stories that I follow. Not pretty. Some, some people get out, obviously some people, you know, scrap and fight and get back on their feet and, um, you know, live to, 
lead a normal life again, not on the streets. That's difficult to do, hard to do. Washington State, and this is the story we're going to read now, which is a guy who basically had living in his um, living in his truck, got towed. Now there's a Washington State Supreme Court case um, regarding not being able to tow anybody's vehicles that they're living in. So the Washington Supreme Court heard oral arguments Tuesday on a landmark case that could change how Seattle parking and violations, how Seattle enforces parking violations for homeless people. If the justices rule in favor of Stephen Long, whose truck he lived in was impounded by Seattle, cities across Washington could potentially be forced to stop towing, towing cars and RVs people are living in if they don't present a hazard. All right. So on one side, we've got people who are trying to get their lives together, maybe, potentially, I don't know. Um, yeah, the, the, the gamut of situations just is so wide, right? So people are hustling. This guy has a job and um, he's living out of his truck and it doesn't run. And it's just on the sidewalk on a street, public street. And he got his truck towed. So this is one of those cases where it's like, okay, this guy is working. He's trying to do his thing. But at the end of the day, are you just going to have like a big encampment, a big city area where it's okay to be parked with your vehicle that no longer runs? There are there are areas in the Soto district, which is south of the dome, the Tacoma dome or the uh, kingdom, which hasn't been there forever. But we still call it Soto because that's the area south of the domes. And uh, I visited there maybe two months ago. You got a lot of vehicles that are literally like in, they're parked in these, you know, you got a bunch of vehicles lined up and they are clearly not moving and they are living there, garbage everywhere. Some of them they try and keep clean, but um, it's long-term living on a public street in these industrial areas. Uh, I don't see it as much in the residential. You see it some in um, like Ballard and other areas that are just kind of turn a blind eye to this stuff happening. But um, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about people living on the streets. Should they be living there? Do we move them out? What if they're actually trying to get their lives back together? And I know I'm bouncing around, but these these are the situations that we're dealing with on the daily. And if you're a landlord, if you are even a tenant, if you are a business owner, whatever it is in these areas, this does not have a positive impact on your real estate. And I know that's just one tiny little angle of this, but this is the Seattle Real Estate Podcast after all. So that's kind of the, the angle we take is, hey, if you are living in a residential community, do you want to have a bunch of broken down vehicles? And let's be honest, the ones that aren't running, those are broken down. People living in those vehicles nearby your home, nearby your children, probably not. And that's the reason we have zoning laws and enforcement. But in Seattle, we're kind of going down the road of maybe we'll just let them do their thing. And maybe this will go away. That's, that's the approach we're taking. So this ruling could impact roughly 2,800 people living in vehicles in King County. They make up nearly a quarter of the homeless population. So we're saying around 10,000 people homeless in King County. I wonder what it is in the state total. These are just, these are mind boggling numbers, huge amounts of people living outdoors. And for anybody who knows anything about Seattle, yeah, it's not a harsh climate, but it's wet 
and it's drizzly, it would not be a good place to live in a tent. LA, way better, just because you don't have the amount of rain, but hot there. So living in a tent here in um, in Seattle, I guess it's as doable as anywhere because the climate's pretty mild. But still, the eight months out of the year where it rains a lot and it's gloomy and dark, that'd be a tough go. Would not want to be in that scenario. Horrible. So they make up nearly a quarter of the total homeless population, according to the last homelessness census, although counting people who live in vehicles is much less precise than shelters because they take a daily count at shelters. Where I kind of see this breaking down is I walk around and I'm like, that's somebody living in those bushes over there. Random. It's just super random, right? Like going to the airport in Hawaii, in Maui, is like there is a really random tent structure that obviously is somebody's home just next to the freeway on the way to the airport. Thousands of people pass it. Somebody's living there. Do they get counted in the survey? I don't know. Probably not lot of those out there, right? It's not clear when the Supreme Court will have a decision. The State Court of Appeals took six months to decide on the Long case last year. Long was living in his 2000 GMC pickup in 2016 when he returned from work at CenturyLink Field and found that his truck was gone. He had been warned by police four days earlier that he was violating a city rule that vehicles parked on public streets must move every 72 hours. But his truck couldn't move due to mechanical issues, broken down, according to Long's attorneys. 2018, a King County Superior Court judge ruled the city violated the state's Homestead Act. That is a long ago act, right? A frontier era protecting homes from forced sale by impounding the truck. The judge also said the $557 the city charged long after the tow violated the U.S. Constitution's Eighth Amendment, which protects against excessive fines. The city appealed, and last year, the Washington Court of Appeals upheld the Homestead Act ruling, but reversed the constitutional judgment. A win and a loss for everybody in the same court case, right? Both Long and the city then appealed. And on Tuesday, state Supreme Court judges listened to arguments from Long and Seattle lawyers to decide whether to reverse the appellate court's decision or let it stand. Do we just let people park their cars wherever and live in them? That's kind of the, the, the thing here. Long's lawyers argued that the impound of his truck was a warrantless seizure and had a bigger impact on him than a tow on someone with more money. All right. Yep. I get that. But at some point in time, you have to say, I can no longer afford this truck. It doesn't run. I don't have a spot for it. I mean, you're forcing people in these communities to live side by side with people living out of their vehicles that no longer run. Is that okay too? That's kind of the road we're going down here, right? I do not want to live near those neighborhoods. I selfishly, I don't. Do I want these people to be living in their cars? No, I don't. I think there are services available for them. And, you know, it's, there's no good answers here, right? I mean, that's the bottom line. There's no good answers. It's horrible. We're talking about somebody just sleeping in their vehicle. That's a hard, that's a hard thing to do. Long sleeping bag and tools he needed for work were in the truck and the impound forced him to sleep outside on the ground for 21 days in the same spot where his truck had been getting sick in the process. According to his attorneys, that does not sound like fun. Since 1205, 
one, <laughs> the year 1205, the Magna Carta has said, you must take into account what the personal estate of the person will bear, said Jim Lobensense, an attorney from firm Carney Badley Spellman. You do not treat billionaires the same as Stephen Long. No, you don't. But do you let all of the people with vehicles who don't run just park them wherever and live wherever? That's kind of what we're saying here, right? That to me isn't an answer either. That's not that's not a, a game plan. That is just a reaction to, uh, uh, I, I guess we'll just let them live wherever. Robert Mitchell, an attorney representing Seattle, city of Seattle, argued that the police warned Long days before the tow that a magistrate worked with him on a payment plan so he could get his truck back and that a ruling in Long's favor would impede cities and the state from trying to remove empty vehicles because they would have to first figure out if someone was living in each one. You see a lot of these vehicles and you're like, somebody living in there? You can't really tell. There's a lot of possessions, but it doesn't look like there's a spot to sleep. And you're just kind of like, man, I don't know. It's that is a difficult scenario for somebody to be living through. Homelessness is a very serious issue, Mitchell said. The city devotes huge resources to this cause, contorting the law to provide yet further relief than the magistrate gave Mr. Long in this case is not appropriate and would have serious unintended consequences. That's what I kind of think on a long term scale. If you don't have provisions set up for people with their vehicles to put them, park them in a spot that is dedicated to people living in their vehicles, then I think you're just kind of mixing and matching what people are going to end up doing. And you're making it okay for people to just live in their car wherever. Because of the pandemic, the city has stopped enforcing the 72-hour limit that Long violated. And as a result, cars and RVs like his have begun to accumulate and break down in Seattle's curbs. They were already there. Now there's way more of them. You see that down in California. You see it anywhere there's a homelessness issue, right? You've just got these areas where they just stack up because it's a community, right? And breakdown on Seattle's curbs, according to the Reverend Bill Curlin Hackett, he's a founder of the city-funded Scofflaw Mitigation Team, one of the few groups focused specifically on helping people living in vehicles. And those folks do need help, right? I mean, they've got a car and they've got all their stuff in it. Can't go live in a shelter. I hear one of the main complaints is that if you are living in a shelter, you can only have like one bag and you just, you got to store all your other possessions somewhere. And maybe you don't trust the people your possessions are with. I mean, it's just an ongoing nightmare, right? For months, Curlin Hackett has been warning that when laws go back into effect, Seattle will have a new flood of homelessness from the RVs into tents and sidewalks, which will have already seen an unsustainable rise in camping. We've got an unsustainable rise here in Seattle. That has definitely happened during the pandemic. Everybody keeps sidestepping the real issue here, which is that we had laws that worked well before we had vehicle residency, Curlin Hackett said. Our law is just being used as a sledgehammer. It's heartbreaking. All right, so you've kind of heard from both sides here. Hey, you got people down on their luck, living in their cars. Should they be towed just because of a law? No, shouldn't we shouldn't be doing that. All right. That's, that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is you can't have your streets lined with a bunch of broken down vehicles, people living in them. Those people need to be in housing somewhere, not living on the streets. That's kind of the bottom line, the way I see it. But man, 
at the rate city of Seattle is going, I don't know if this is going to change anytime soon. It doesn't feel like it. It just feels like it's going from, you know, bad to worse on the daily when I go into Seattle, which isn't as often as it used to be, because a lot of the stuff still isn't open that I go for. I think we're going to have our first concert at the new key arena is what I call it. Um, that was the old Seattle Coliseum. Now it's climate change arena. Don't even get me started on that one. Um, but I will go there because it's close. I can drive there quickly. And it's going to be awesome to see a, a live concert there. See how I go from talking about homelessness to going to a, a, a concert. It's, you know, I'm selfish. I just I selfishly want to go see a show. And, um, and I know there's, it's a, you know, not being able to see a live music concert. Yeah, that's bad. But hey, living in a car far worse. So I do understand that it's just that when you go to 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 a show, finally, some of these places are going to open up, going to be a real conflict between all the people that have been kind of, you know, semi peacefully, however it is that you want to view the homeless living on the sidewalks or the parks or the streets or in the downtown business areas. There's going to be a real conflict when you've got 20, 30,000 people coming into an area that hasn't had 20 or 30,000 people coming into it. And, you know, with the COVID restrictions, it's going to be a fraction of that. Maybe it's five or 10,000 people, 25% capacity, whatever it is spread out. I don't know. But you're going to have some conflict between the homeless and that have moved in or the people that are living in their vehicles that have moved in during the whole Rona thing. And also the people who want to go enjoy a live music venue or want to enjoy a restaurant or they want to go to a business downtown when people finally start going back to downtown. I noticed Microsoft said, hey, they told their employees, you can start coming back into March. So March 29th, I think was the date. So you're going to start seeing some people go into the high rises in downtown. You're going to see some conflict. It's going to be because for the most part, it's been just a ghost town in downtown urban areas, right? I mean, nobody's there. People aren't working there. You're going to see the trickle of people go back and they're going to run into homeless that have basically been ruling the block. Going to be some tricky times. No matter what, I will cover those stories for you right here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Why? Ah, Because nobody else does. I think people have a right to know that this stuff is going on. You shouldn't have to look at it on page B12 in the newspaper. Um, these are important issues and they're ongoing. And I think people are aware of them. People in the suburbs just kind of want to turn the other way and go, ah, yeah, I, I hear about that. Yeah, I, I hear there's a real issue. Well, I read the stories. All right. So if you want to keep tuning in, love to have you subscribe, hit that notification um, bell so that you get notified every time we release a video, which right now we're back to our two-a-day schedule. I'll catch you here again, right here in the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe. I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.